This is Angus. Welcome to Angus's Appendices, a Kirby's Kids one-shot. Welcome to Image Comics Month here on Kirby's Kids. This is Angus. want to thank you for listening in and let you know that you have entered into a series that has already begun. If you're just now finding this particular episode, I'd highly encourage you to go head on over to episode number 49, which was Invincible, Volume 1, Family Matters, Chapter 1, Book 1. In that particular episode, I chronicle an overview of the series, delve deep into the writer and artist of the series, as well as give a summary of that first book. Then come on back to this episode, an earlier or later, and enjoy this journey of Invincible Family Matters. Our land hole. There's our literary aisle. Welcome back, kids, and thanks for listening as we round out Image Comics Month with our final book or chapter of Invincible, Volume 1, Family Matters. And in this book, we open up with Robot analyzing the processors from the game units relating back to Book 2 or Chapter 2, where Mark and the Team Teens had stopped the plot of the robots and the two villains who were stealing the game consoles from the toy store. As we progress, Mark flies into the lair and notifies Robot that there has been another explosion of a teen bomb, but that he and his dad had gotten there in time, had flung the teen out of the mall, but that this is escalating. In Mark's words, it's these mall bombings. Well, this is going to sound weird, but someone is turning kids from our school into human bombs. And Robot says, I know. I mean, it's late and all, but I just wanted to let them know. Wait, what? He is surprised that Robot has been analyzing residue found at the blast sites, indicated that the timing mechanisms in all the bombs were organic in nature. More than likely, human circulatory systems provide the catalyst. From that, it was merely process of elimination to determine that the age and relation of the humans that are being used as bombs. I did didn't know they were all from your school in particular, but I'm sure I would have eventually. Well, I'm only sure that the most recent one went to my school, but he's one of the three kids that are missing. At that point, two other of the team teens of Supers show up. They then get to talking about the mall bombings and how they're connected to the missing kids at their school. They're asking if there's any idea behind it to where Robot says no, And there's nothing we can do about that. I suggest you all go and we try to figure this out when you go to school tomorrow. Mark ends up then going home and confronting his mom, who is staying up late watching TV. She's worried about her husband, as Mark is also worried about his dad. She said, I can sit here and watch him battle 100-foot dragons on TV all day long. But for some reason, every time he's in another dimension... I can't help but assume the worst. Truly revealing in this that the not knowing is the weird and most disturbing part about this superhero life. The toll it takes on loved ones. I just never know what to think. 
There's no way of telling how long he'll be gone. Do you remember when you were little and he was gone for almost six months? He missed your birthday that year. So this discussion by Mark's mom with Mark on the couch late at night really reveals the human side and emotional toll of this particular lifestyle. Mark then reassuring his mom, it's going to be okay, mom. Don't worry about dad. He'll be back. And then we cut to the next day at school in the cafeteria during lunch trying to figure out what's going on. Typical teen fashion of miscommunication. He's got his colleague saying, so Mark, what do all, what is, what do you think of all this? And Mark remarks, I can't believe they expect us to eat boiled chicken for lunch. It's inhumane. No, this mole bombing stuff, which is really funny because it's Mark shifting into teen mode and then needing to shift into superhero mode. And again, another great slice of life part, which really makes this, particular comic a lot of fun they're trying to figure out what's going on searching for clues they both say hey while we're looking out let's see if we can find some clues here in the school that tie the teens that have been removed or abducted from the school they start looking in all directions for the possibilities of there being a reveal of truth, a lead as to what all could be happening here. So they're in class and Mark's pondering what's going on. He's actually falling asleep in class. They ask one another because they're sitting next to one another. Did you spot anything? Nope, I didn't see anything strange. At that moment, their teacher intercedes and interrupts them for interrupting him in class and saying, look, I allowed you all to sit next to one another. And he accuses the two of now being boyfriend and girlfriend. He says, Samantha, and that's her name, Samantha Eve Wilkins, just because I allowed you to switch seats with Mr. Dunlap doesn't mean I'm going to condone you and your new boyfriend for interrupting my lectures. As they're talking, the entire class then begins to laugh and Mark professes that she's not his girlfriend and teacher says that, hey, you know, I, I'm sorry for jumping to conclusions, but you were interrupting my class. And, you know, they then proceed to head out. They are walking along the hallways and a little bit of an awkward moment, both admitting that it was quite uncomfortable. All of a sudden, Samantha ends up getting a call from Robot. They are on it. They're being called in to help their remainder of the teens and Robot battle a current conflict that they are engaged in. Robot reveals that, surprisingly, your physics teacher, David Hiles, is a former weapons engineer for Global Tech, a military-sanctioned research firm. It's not definitive evidence of his guilt, but I am 99.8% sure that he's who you're looking for. So Robot, through doing his processing, reveals to them that's who they should be looking out for. With that reveal, they then step into action, and they head to the dumpster behind the cafeteria to try to change where they then find another couple there making out. <laughs> so another teens being teens moment. So they find another quick area to go ahead and change into and proceed very quickly to that teacher's house. He opens up the door saying, I didn't expect to get caught quite this early. And I certainly expected more conventional authorities when the time did come. Very well, Mark, Samantha, Please do come inside. He makes them out to be who they are. Now, Samantha isn't wearing a mask. Mark has his goggles on, but you can make out that this is Mark as invincible. And he very calm and coolly invites them inside. As a matter of fact, he even remarks, are you kidding me? You're not even wearing a mask. 
and when they ask him, hey, how'd you know it was us? Follow me, I'll show you to the fourth missing student. I assure you, I have no intention of resisting. Fourth? Yes, one of them hasn't been reported missing yet. And he proceeds to take them down into his basement, where he reveals Derek, one of their fellow students. This reveal by this teacher is quite calm and disturbing. Yes, it is. I can't think of a more fitting segue into my confession. You see, it was the constant pestering and belittling from things like what you see before you that caused my son to commit suicide. My son's suicide resulting in my divorce. And my divorce led to me losing my job. What's really interesting in all of this, and this is in no way, shape, or form is Kirkman condoning the behavior of this teacher, but he is providing a very compelling rationale to have led this man to go over the edge. And the reason that these popular jerk kids were being abducted by this teacher and turned into human bombs is because they were the ones who had actually bullied his son into committing suicide. It's not that the death of my son I'm avenging that would be far too cliche. No, it's the destruction of my life that has me seeking revenge. It's the personal here, folks. It's the domino effect of pain and sorrow that these monsters create. Children that spend too much time at the mall, attend parties, consume alcohol, play sports, when they should be studying and doing homework. Clearly this guy's gone off the edge. But it's an interesting rationale that Kirkman develops here as a storyteller. They get to Derek. They're trying to undo the bomb. What I did to all of them, I turned them into a living bomb, an instrument with which to enact my revenge, my crusade, to end the pain and sorrow caused by these popular kids. And I can't think of a more appropriate end to my crusade. When then he proceeds to reveal a bomb strapped to him. Then the death of two superheroes. Oh dear, I must have started the timer too late after you got here. No matter, you'll have a few more seconds to, and with that quickly, Mark swoops up the teacher with the bomb strapped to him, and proceeds to take off through the roof, blasting through, taking him up into orbit. That stuff in class today was uncalled for, he tells him. You know you ruined my afternoon. And he goes higher and higher and higher and higher. And well, now that I've got you all to myself, he then proceeds to throw the teacher into the air where he then explodes. Mark is then propelled down to earth by the explosion where he ends up safely landing in what looks to be a snow-packed area. And then he proceeds back to the house where apparently the bomb unit has arrived and they're safely putting Derek on a gurney and Samantha is there waiting for him. So it's over. Robot is coming by to do a sweep of the house to check for anything dangerous. And thus they end up wrapping up the events there at the teacher's house. Mark returns home, asks if his dad is back. All of a sudden, his dad does show up and says that he needs to shave. He's quite a bit disheveled. Mom is absolutely relieved and says, thank God. There at dinner, both Mark and his father summarize the events. His mom first kicking off the conversation, saying, anything inter interesting happened to either of you today? Mark proceeds, I found out one of my teachers was turning my classmates into organic bombs in order to take revenge on kids he felt were like the ones that led to his son to commit suicide. Apparently, he turned himself into a bomb also and tried to kill me and a friend of mine, but I flew them to Antarctica before he blew up so that he wouldn't hurt anyone. Then, Mark's father says, 
I spent last eight months enslaved by an army from an alternate dimension, although it seems much less time has passed here. About a week ago, I led a revolt against my captors and regained control of my powers. Today, a team of scientists from the Rebellion found a way to get me home. That's nice. Who's ready for dessert? <laughs> Cute way of finishing up this comic and completing this particular story thread. I thoroughly enjoyed Family Matters, this first volume of Invincible. I think Kirkman is really on to something here. I love the way in which these characters are being developed. They are anchored in everyday life. It's a great balance that he has created here. I would love to hear from you. Please let us know your impressions of Invincible Volume 1 Family Matters. Leave us a message on the Anchor app or send us an email at kirbyskidspodcast at gmail.com. And thank you for listening in on Image Comics Month here on Kirby's Kids. Thank <laughs> you.